So imagine, as I am sure has happened to all of you, that you're sitting in a restaurant and you're waiting for somebody and you're really anxious for that person to come. And you keep your eye on the door and all these other people keep coming in. Sometimes for a second you think it's that person, and then it's not. And the paradox of that situation is that the person who isn't there is more real to you than the people who are there. People come in, but you don't care about them. You're fixed on the one who's not there. Now cast your mind back to the slaves in Egypt. You have to imagine that the absent God, the God that they didn't see was more real to them in some ways than the people they saw because they were waiting like every day, when is God going to come and help us? Now, to push the analogy a little bit, you start to get text messages. I'm coming, little emojis. Confetti appears on your screen, all sorts of special effects. You get plagues. And the plagues are amazing and miraculous, but they're not God. They're things that God is doing, letting you know that God's on his way, but they're not God. And they have an effect. You cross the sea. You get miracles. You go out into the desert. There is a pillar of fire by day and cloud by night, but you still don't have God. Moses goes up to the mountain. Why do the Israelites build a golden calf? Because they had all these other indications of God, but they had this deep spiritual hunger for the actuality of God. Now we come to Shavuot. If you ask most people in our community, what happened at Sinai? The mountain, not the show. They don't have a clear answer. They'll say, that's where God gave us the Torah. But what does that mean? Does that mean that God basically took that scroll, said, here you go, Moses. Here's a scroll. Bring it down. Read it a lot. That's clearly not true. I can almost prove to you that it's not true. First of all, I'm not sure about the whole parchment thing. But even so... Remember that in that scroll is, among other things, when you go down the mountain, you're going to see the golden calf. Did God tell Moses that when, when he was giving him the Torah? Did God tell Moses, by the way, in a couple of years, Korach is going to start a big rebellion against you. And then you're going to hit the rock, and I'm not going to let you in the land of Israel. Of course not. If God told Moses all of that at Sinai, I mean, Moses, smart guy, he'd probably think, you know what? I'm not going to hit the rock. So the second way, once we think about that, and this is, by the way, as you might imagine, this is not new to me, right? Sages have spoken about this for a long time. So 
they developed this idea of continual revelation through the desert. But then what happened at Sinai? So another theory is that what happened was that, the Ten Commandments. That's what, by the way, in case you didn't know, those Hebrew etchings on either side of the ark, those are the abbreviation, not complete, of the Ten Commandments. And that makes sense because the Ten Commandments are actually listed at Sinai as having been spoken. But there's something more. Because one thing that strikes the reader who pays attention to it is when the plagues happen in Egypt, the Israelites weren't scared. Nowhere does it say hail fell from the sky and the Israelites were terrified. Nowhere does it say the entire land was covered with locusts. And let me tell you, the Israelites were plenty scared. Now, you might say, well, they knew the plagues were for the Egyptians. But I promise you, I promise you, if locusts covered all of the United States and we said, don't worry, it's only going to eat the crops in Arizona, Californians would be plenty scared. But when you come to Sinai, it says they trembled. Which means to me that at Sinai, they saw something more than God's works. The plagues were God's works. That didn't scare them. At Sinai, in one way or another, they saw God. Now, by saying that, I don't mean they literally saw God. I don't mean God was this big, you know, old man in the sky with a beard and the Israelites said, oh, look, there's God. But it says in the Parsha that we read on Shavuot, they saw the voices. And you know, you can't see voices. Unless you have a kind of spiritual synesthesia. Synesthesia is this condition where sounds have colors and voices you can see. In other words, the normal sense organs of the Israelites were all mixed up and they saw things that people don't normally see and they heard things that people don't normally hear. In other words, they encountered God. And that might be the best way to describe what happened at the most important moment in the history of our people. By far, nothing else comes close. The most important moment in the history of our people was when the Israelites encountered God and all of Jewish history, everything that happened afterwards, is a reaction to the fidelity that we feel to that moment. And the reason you have to have a fidelity to that moment is because at a certain point, the rabbi said, okay, no more prophets. You're not allowed to say, guess what? I saw God and God told me I can have a cheeseburger on Yom Kippur. Nope. Prophecies closed. There were pretenders in Jewish history, but they were pretenders. Until the time of the Mashiach, Prophecies closed. And so what do we have? What we have is 
the possibility of constant re-enchantment. The possibility of living an old experience anew, which is, by the way, what we do in human life. You can't hold on to any instant, but you can live in fidelity to the instance that you believe you are at your best and your highest. That's why we make promises. Why do we say, I promise you I will do this next Tuesday? Because you know you don't want to do it next Tuesday. Otherwise, you wouldn't have to promise. Come next Tuesday, you'll go, oh, I don't want to do it, but I promised. But what you're saying is, this moment in which I promise, this is the highest and the best that I am. And so I'm going to live up to this moment, which is why the rabbis say, everybody in Israel stood at Sinai. Because then, whenever you happen to live, you lived then too, and you have a fidelity to that moment. The moment in which we encountered God. What complicates this is our name. Our name is Israel. And all of you know, I hope, or you heard in Hebrew school and forgot, that Yisrael means strugglers with God. So we encounter God and we fight with God. But whether you fight with God or you encounter God, one way or another, as a Jew, God is an integral part of the struggle of your spiritual life. Closer, further, waxing, waning. That moment, the moment that we are about to celebrate on Shavuot, which begins tonight, that moment at Sinai, that's the moment that matters. You can see an artist's work and think it is beautiful. It is an entirely different experience to look in the eyes of the artist. The slaves who came out of Egypt knew something of God's work, but they knew nothing of God. And the Torah they bequeathed to us tells us the story, not of what God did, but of who God is. That's what we gave the world. This moment, this miracle, this encounter, for all the time we were looking at that entrance, waiting and waiting and waiting. In Jewish history, God came in. And nothing has ever been the same. Shabbat Shalom. We continue our service this morning with a very appropriate, there is none like our God, Ein Kelohenu, page 204. Yai 